guys. So some of you are wondering, I look different because I trimmed my beard, I cut my hair, and now I'm tan. We just got back from the beach, and so, yes, we suffered for Jesus for seven days at the beach, guys. And we are so glad to be back home. Just kidding. So, no, uh, I am glad to be here with you guys. I want to say this morning, just as we start off, and I want you all to hear me very well, I'm going to talk about some things this morning that may be out of your comfort zone. Uh, just They're all theological pieces. They're all biblical pieces, so don't worry. I'm not pulling them anywhere else from the Bible, so that's really, really good. But maybe things you don't always talk about in church, like the gift of tongues this morning. We're talking about it some. And I want you to know in advance we're doing that because we believe in the works of Jesus being done. How many of you were here last week Mark Nicewander spoke? I mean, listen, yeah, man, it was so good, wasn't it? I listened to it. Uh, I listened to it the other day, and man, I was like, it was so good. Mark still has it, guys, praise God. So, man, he killed it. It was so good, right? It was so good. And I encourage you to go back and listen. We are four weeks into a series called Kingdom Power, taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. It says, Jesus says, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. As so we've been talking about, what does that mean, and what is this power, and what does it look like? And so we are, we are in a season of focusing on Jesus' gift, or the gift of the Holy Spirit. We said the Holy Spirit is our inheritance, and with the Holy Spirit then comes a Holy Spirit inheritance of empowerment, of power, of our lives being empowered, right? We are connected to Jesus' promise from Acts chapter 1-8 that, when his, when, that his disciples would receive power, when the Holy Spirit came upon them. We've been saying for the last several weeks, I encourage you to listen to all three of the weeks leading up to this one. We said, and this is important, the prerequisite for our salvation, your salvation, knowing Jesus, living for eternity with him, our prerequisite then for being empowered by God's Spirit is this Greek word pistuo, which is belief or trust or faith, this idea that you believe God, you believe Jesus, you have this faith, you live a life and of leaning into him with all of your weight, and if he moved, you would fall down, right? That type of commitment of leaning into trusting, having faith and believing, saying, God, without you, I can't do it, this type of belief. And so this is our prerequisite, believe Jesus, Believe Jesus, and it's not just some mental ascent, right? It's not just, yeah, I believe, but it's a holistic life engagement of trust, belief, and faith in him. And so we ask the question, it's a question we need to always be asking. What do you actually believe about Jesus? Right? What do you actually believe about him? This is important. My freshman year, uh, freshman year of college, I said to Jesus, hmm, I'm not, this is important, I'm not sure what I believe about you. I know what my pastor taught me. I know what my Christian youth group taught, you, taught me. For some of you, what your Christian school taught you. But I'm not sure I know what I believe for myself about Jesus and who he is. I think I just know that Jesus other people told me about so I said to the Lord, so what I'm going to do, Jesus, is go on a journey. And my foundation is this. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you are alive and living and real. Now reveal your true self to me and sent me on a journey that honestly, 
was profound. And part of what we're talking about this morning would be because I decided to take Jesus, listen, I decided to take Jesus serious for myself. I didn't take him serious for somebody else, but for myself. Because who wants to waste a life on a God who they disbelieve in because somebody told them to, not because they have their own personal life experience and conviction. And so this morning, I'm going to share part of the things I'm sharing are just my story. I'm not going to tell you my story, and part, part of it I will, but, but this is the things that God began to awaken in me, and I encourage you to take these things and go on your own journey with them this morning. Now, with that being said, about what I believe, I need you to know that my girls are both uniquely my favorite children, right? But there are moments that one's more my favorite than others, have you ever experienced that? Like, you love your kids. Like, I've got two, I've got two girls, and I, I look at both of them and say, you're my favorite, and I mean it because they uniquely are. It works that way, right? But there are moments when AK, my oldest, is my favorite. One of those moments is the times when she'll look at Randall and me or look at me when we're together, and she's like, Dad, when I become a millionaire, and I'm like, check, praise God, right? And at that moment, I look at it and go, all right. She said, when I become a millionaire, I want you to know that I am so thankful for the father and the mother, the parents that you have been. I'm just going to bankroll y'all so that you don't have to work anymore because you've just given so much of your time to me and I owe you my life. And I'm like, yes, you do. And I will take it. Right. And in those moments, AK, Anna Catherine, my 20 year old tech becomes my favorite daughter. Right. There's this beautiful piece that we are people who receive things, right? We get things. And so what she's saying, listen, when I get to this place and I get a job and I work and I begin to receive money, begin to receive blessing, that I want to be a person who doesn't hoard it, but who gives it away, right? I receive something so that I can give it away. And the idea and the biblical principle for us this morning, I want to name you from the screen, it's this. The biblical principle we believe is we are blessed to be a blessing, When we talk about our inheritance from God, we talk about the work of God's spirit, it begins with this, we are blessed. The idea of our lives and our relationship with Jesus and him coming and being one with us and God the Father, the creator of all of the universe, coming and making residence and taking residence in our heart. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a blessing that the creator of all things, right, the God of gods, the capital G, capital O, capital D God says, you are one I want to be intimate with as an individual and as a people. I'm going to come and make a residence with you and I'm going to fill you and I'm going to empower you that my friend means that we have received we are blessed but in that blessing then we have a choice then to be a blessing we have received and now we are ones who give and so this morning we're going to talk about this nature of our inheritance yes jesus has blessed us he says in john 14 you're no longer orphans i'm going to continue I'm going to come to you in the person of the spirit i'm going to speak to you i'm going to remind you of everything that jesus said you're never ever going to be alone we are blessed but then with that Spirit then comes an empowerment where what we've received now, we're intentional to give it away, to bless, to be a blessing. 
And so this morning, that's the picture we're talking about. If we believe that the, listen, we are blessed to be a blessing. And so if we believe, if we live in this place of belief, we said this power, the power of God's blessing, the power of his spirit now is inherent to us. It's just a natural part of who we are. As a human being inherently needs breath, we now inherently have God's spirit and are empowered. We haven't worked for it. All we've done is believe. He then has given us his dunamis. That's the power, the word we get dynamite from. It's now a part of who we are. So if you are a Christian... If you are one who believes, then you now, and you've given your life to Jesus, you inherently now have the blessing of God's Spirit, the salvation of Jesus, and now the empowerment of God's Spirit in you. Whether you are utilizing it or not, whether you are taking hold of it and expressing it, that's a whole other question, but you have it inside of you. It is inherently now who you are. You know how when you look at me, strength doesn't necessarily come to mind, but when that six foot four, 245 pound linebacker walks in wearing the medium shirt for some reason and his muscles are just bulging, what do you think? He's strong. He's inherently strong. He's different than Steve. They're on opposite ends of the spectrum. It's okay. I'm okay with it, right? I'm strong in mind. Okay, guys, but you get it. He's inherently, inherently different. You are inherently now one who's empowered by God's spirit, the dunamis. Let that sink in. Hear this. This is important. The power that empowered the life of Jesus. The spirit that empowered Jesus now resides in you. And the same spirit that empowered Jesus now empowers you. Scripture says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now resides in you. What power is that? The power that caused Jesus to be able to do everything that he did and live the life that he lived. In my 19, 18, 19 year old self, this is really important, especially for all of those who are about that age. I sat back one day and said, if that's true, then that should change how I live my life. I should never have to live in fear. I should never feel inadequate. I should never have to feel incapable. There's something inherent in me in the power of God's spirit. Either it's true or it's not. And I'll be honest, I just went on a Holy Spirit power journey to see what would happen if I actually went after those things. It was a crazy moment of my life. I'll tell you a couple of stories in a bit. And so in this, you have to think about that, meditate on it, and think about it and let it sink in the same power that Jesus possessed. He left for you, put in you, and is with you for those who believe. Now empowered, we have received, we have been blessed, now be a blessing. We are called to represent him. Scripture says that you are ambassadors of Christ, that you are now his representatives. Everywhere that you go, you take his authority, you take his power, and you're able then to exhibit that wherever you go. Either it's true or it's not. I think it's true because I've experienced it, but I encourage you to go on your own journey to figure it out. But go on it with diligence and with intentionality. Don't go in half-hearted in it, but give yourself to to say, God, if you're real, if this is true, if it's inherent in me, then God, I want to know it, see and experience it. Jesus. 
It's inherent in us. We've been blessed to be a blessing. I don't hoard what's been given, right? But I want to give to those that are in need. I've been blessed to be a blessing. I've, I've received the power of God's Spirit, so I now want to do the works of Jesus. Listen, I want to start with this statement it's on the screen. You can look at it right now. It says, the works of God. The works of God empower confidence and belief in Jesus for all who see and experience them. The works of God, the movement of God, the power of God released, right? The work, the works of God empower confidence and belief in Jesus for all who see and all who experience them. If I see something amazing, then I'm amazed. That's the idea. Let's start with Jesus' own words in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, chapter 14, and this idea of the works of God and what they mean. Jesus, in John 10, is making very clear statements about himself. He literally says at one point, I and the Father are one. It's the clearest representation in all of Scripture with words from Jesus of him claiming divinity. So much so that the people get angry with him, the religious leaders, and they want, they call it blasphemy and they want to stone him because they're just so just undone by the audacity of the words that he's just used. And in response to them, Jesus says this, we'll pick it up now in John chapter 10, verse 36, says, why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me or believe my words or even like me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Right? This idea is that you may not like my words, you may not like even who I am, you may not like my personality, but you cannot deny the works that you've just seen. Lean into them, Right? We go down in similar language in John 14. This time Jesus is talking to his disciples. We've read this for the first uh, week one and week two of this series. But then as they're struggling, they're struggling with understanding who Jesus is fully and understanding his oneness with the Father and what that means. And they're totally struggling trying to grasp its meaning. And Jesus says in verse 10, Don't you believe that I am in the Father, that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. You see the tension. He's like, I've said these things. I've been around you and I've loved you and you're wrestling. But at least look at the evidence behind the works that have been done. Only God can do these things. There's an intentionality of recognizing the works, right? The works are powerful here. Listen, we don't have to overthink these verses. Don't over-theologize them. They are quite clear. Jesus is giving weight to the works he does as a reason to believe in him. I'm going to say that again. Jesus is giving weight to the works he does as a reason to believe in him. The works cause them to look and see Jesus. Mark used the word last week, signs. The works of Jesus, the things we see happen, the things the disciples are going to do, they're signs that say Jesus is real. God is real. God is living, and you can't deny it. 
when I was 22 years old in Brazil at a little Presbyterian church, right? And we're all wearing suits because you did that, right? And I'm sitting there wearing a suit, and I'm standing next to this couple from Michigan. I didn't even like them that much, to be honest with you. And we're both praying for people, and all of a sudden, we're praying, and they're praying for this guy, and his legs out like this, right? And his right leg is shorter than his left. This is a true story. I know it's just my story. It's hard for you to believe because you weren't there. It would amaze me, right? All of a sudden, we prayed for his leg, and his leg went beep and grew right there on the spot, right? And he started freaking out. His buddy started freaking out like this with his head. And the guy stood up and started jumping up and down, like pounding the foot on his floor, right? And he's just like, and they start doing the happy dance, wearing suits in a Presbyterian church in Brazil, right? And I'm going, that just happened in real life. Let's go. I'm going to say, what I pray, when I prayed to the next person, it felt different. I don't know, right? The work of God, the power of God, the spirit of God. I'm like, let's do it. Let's go, right? Ooh, start praying, man. It was super fun. Super fun. I'll be honest. That began to change things for me. It was a moment for me. The works of God had changed something inside of me. Listen, words can be debated, but the experience of God's works cannot. We see it multiple times in Scripture. I love these moments in Scripture where Jesus is hanging out with religious people, you know, religious people. And they're, like, mad at him, and he's just like, I'm just loving people, guys, get over it. I'm just doing the works of God. And all of a sudden, some miracle happens, and, and they can't argue. And it's basically the proverbial tip of the hat to Jesus. Multiple times they say, how can we, how can we push back? We cannot deny that the works that he's doing can only come from God. Multiple times in the New Testament. Even these people who hated Jesus couldn't deny the works being done. Couldn't deny the reality of God's spirit moving in power. Could not deny the things that they had seen. It's powerful. It's powerful. Never forget my first year in Orlando working at the Wesley Foundation, the college and student ministry down there. We had this Holy Spirit weekend. And the Holy Spirit weekend, we're just praying for God's Spirit to move on people's lives. And this little girl, Jessie, came forward. Jessie was um, fairly, she was just a good Methodist girl. She was a good Methodist girl, sophomore year, right? And never forget, she comes up to get prayed for, y'all. She comes up to get prayed for. And I don't know what happened, but God's spirit hit her so hard, right? She hit her so hard that it's like she basically like fell on the ground and was out for like 15 minutes. I don't know what happened. This is just Jesus. I didn't, we didn't push her. We, this other little girl named Catherine touched her head. Had never seen anything like this in her life. Just touched her head. And she goes, oh my God, did she die? Right? She didn't die, right? And so 15 minutes later, she woke up and she was a changed person. Jesse was changed. All of a sudden, all these, this fear and anxiety that had been struggling with this went away. And she just sat there dazed. She's like, what did Jesus do? I, said, I don't know, but I had to be good, right? She's like, it was amazing. This is life changing. Oh my gosh, well three years later she starts dating an unbeliever. You know the story. Starts dating an unbeliever, starts kind of compromising in her convictions, compromising her faith. And then she gets to that point where she's like, I'm not sure she can believe in God anymore. Doesn't know she wants to be a Christian anymore. 
And so I meet with her. I love Jess. I look at her and say, hey, listen, I just want to meet with you. Listen, I love you. If you turn away from Jesus and never follow him again, I will love you the same then as I do right now and when I loved you two or three years ago. My love for you is not dependent upon you being a Christian. I said, but I do have questions. So I start talking, and she's asking theological questions. And finally I said, let's just get to this. Do you believe in Jesus or not? And she just sat there. And it was like for the first time in our convo, man, she just got real. And she said, Steve, I cannot deny him. She said, I don't know what happened exactly three years ago in that upper room that we were in. But I experienced God with such power that I'll never be able to deny him ever again. He is real. And even as much as I don't want him to be real. And I said, what are you going to do? She goes, I don't know. And I said, let me tell you what I think you should do. <laughs> I gave her the long list, the dad list of things to do, right? Within two weeks, she had broken up with him. All the cloud, this, listen, this is important. If you feel like you're living in a cloud, and this is similar to your story, she was like living in this cloud. All of a sudden, she was obedient to God, took the step of love to prefer him, and all of the clouds just parted, and clarity came, and she was like this with Jesus again. It was so powerful, right? What had happened, the work of God had been so powerful and beautiful in her life that she could not deny it three years later when she wanted to because it had been so palpable and so real. As I said, the works of God on the screen, the works of God empower confidence and belief in Jesus for all who see and experience them. The works of God empower confidence and belief in Jesus for all who see and experience them. The work of the Holy Spirit when he came is in Book of Acts, Book of Acts, Luke comes and is told the story of Jesus and the works that he did. That's why it's called the it's called Acts, because it's the Acts of the Apostles. It's the works that they do. It's the now empowered by God's Spirit. Here's a story of all the acts and all the works that the disciples did, now empowered by God's Spirit. It's a comparison. We did a story of Jesus empowered by God's Spirit. Now watch how similar it looks for the Spirit to empower the disciples to do the works that Jesus did. It's basically to show they're basically similar. They're the same people empowered by God's Spirit. Yes, Jesus is God, so they're different. You know what I'm getting at, right? They're just human beings empowered by God's Spirit doing the works of God. That's all the Acts of the Apostles is about, showing the works of God. So let's pick it up here, get to see the fun, neat story of Pentecost, chapter 2 of Acts, verse 1, going through verse 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. They didn't know the languages the Spirit enabled them to do it. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. This is important. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these speaking Galileans? 
then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? I'm going to mess some of these names up. Forgive me. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Furuga, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts of Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own dialect, our own village tongue, our own village languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Somehow we're made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine because it's crazy times, right? Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And then he goes on to say, we ain't drunk. We've been filled with God's spirit. You kill Jesus, repent and give your life to him. And it says 3,000 people did that day. I don't know, it just looks like a good day. The first work we see the disciples exhibit to being filled with God's spirit is speaking in tongues. The second work that we see expressed is linked to it with what I believe is the interpretation of tongues. The result, God-fearing Jews who did not believe in Jesus were drawn to listen. They were so moved by the work of God that literally they gave ears to be attentive, and then they were saved, 3,000 of them. It's powerful in the moment. In verse 4, listen, the Holy Spirit enables the disciples to speak in other tongues. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, well, listen, we can spend a lot of time talking about tongues, probably the most misunderstood of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, clearly spoken about in 1 Corinthians. But 1 Corinthians, Paul describes two different types of languages when describing the gift of tongues. The tongues of men, he calls it, verse 1, and the tongues of angels. The, the tongues of men is the spirit-enabled ability to speak another, another known human language, Right? We know people who literally get up to preach to the church and they start talking. The interpreter stops because they're speaking in the language of the people who they're there and they don't know the language. It's just a gift of tongues. We'll speak in the moments. Really cool, really powerful. Never happened to me. I wish it would. That'd be great, right? Then there's the tongues of angels. It's an unintelligible language of heaven that must be divinely interpreted. And I personally, that's what's happening here. It says in verse 6, it's each one heard their own language being spoken. Did you read all the, all the languages that were there? I think what's happening, and again, this is just my, listen, my theological conviction, my own study, and you can have different belief, but I believe in the moment, yes, the gift of tongues is being used, but I believe that God has moved now on the hearts of these Jews to give them the gift of interpretation to be able to hear so-and-so speaking in their own native dialect. Listen, they, their common language was Aramaic or Greek, depending on where they're from, but they each had their own native native dialect to the village that they are from. And they miraculously are hearing Galileans, which means they're not super educated and they don't really know what's going on, just what it means, especially fishermen, right? There's no way they could know this. And they're speaking perfect whatever dialect it is. Listen, I believe, yes, they were speaking in the tongues of angels, and God was giving them an interpretation. And what happened? The works of God were moving in such power, right, in the moment of listening and hearing the language, right, that they are perplexed, they're utterly amazed, they're bewildered, and they ask, what does this mean? And what does this mean? So it means, 
I have lots of questions because this is a miracle. It should not be happening, but it's happening. I have to understand, right? The works, this is on the screen, the works of God here empowered confidence and belief in Jesus for all who see and experience him. The works of God, they had been blessed to be a blessing. They had received power. Now they're doing the works of Jesus, right? They have received so that they're giving. It's a beautiful moment here, and God is using the works to awaken people so that 3,000 men, who knows how many women gave their lives to Jesus, right, in that moment, but 3,000 men gave their lives to Jesus right there because the work of God empowered people to believe. I'll never forget coming home one Sunday after church. This was right after I graduated college, still living in God's country, Athens, Georgia. I was working on campus at the Wesley Foundation, which is just the Methodist student ministry on campus at UGA. I'm preaching every week. It's just this unique season for me. And I'm living with a buddy of mine named Darren. Now, Darren worked at a local church on the outskirts of Athens. It was a great church. And he specifically was working there, working in missions, specifically working with um, specifically Chinese students, right, who were international students who were coming doing study abroad at UGA from China. And so, I don't know, had like 20 or 30 of these students and miraculously one of the little girls had given their her life to jesus like a radical just conversion experience fell in love with jesus and she had to make the phone call home the phone call home to her parents specifically her dad to say hey i know it's illegal basically to do this but i i at home but i gave my life to jesus and so the parents, you can imagine, were not very happy, thought she was a part of a cult, literally said, hey, we, we love that you were there and you study abroad, but we're not happy about this, bought their airline ticket and came over the next week, and they were there for the next Sunday service at the church to figure out what type of cult that their Chinese daughter, their daughter had now become a part of, right, that she was now following this Jesus guy. And so they show up at church, and Darren goes out to meet him, and the mom is very polite, and the dad ain't happy. He's given that look. You know what look I'm talking about. The dad look like I hate you. I'm going to shoot you if I had a chance, right? And so he kind of like shakes hands like, whoo, right? They go into service, and Darren's just praying. And all the whole ministry, everyone's praying for this dad, this couple, right? They go through service. They get into worship. Worship is really good that morning. Things are going great, right? He's just sitting there paying attention. He's kind of smiling at a couple of things. And he said, all of a sudden, they get to a quiet part in the service. This woman stood up in service. He said, I knew her. I knew her well. She was really engaged leader in the church and she just began to speak in tongues and he's like oh no he says this doesn't normally happen in our church this is a one this is a rarity and i'm thinking i cannot believe it happened the morning if anything would quote unquote seem cultish to him it's this whole unique weird tongues thing what's going on god what are you doing he's like looking at him looking at her looking at him going make it be over jesus make it be over right she gets done sits down they go back into worship and they go back into the sermon kind of redeem the morning it's a good sermon right well man as soon as church is over she's i'm talking to somebody and i can just feel the dad making his way over he said, I kind of turn, and he has this look of determination on his face, and he comes up and gets face-to-face and says, who was that woman? He's like, what? He goes, who was that woman? And pointed at that woman who just stood up in service. He goes, that's my friend Janine. Why? What's, what's up? He's like, did you plant her here? He's like, what are you talking about? He's, I want to meet her. So Darren calls her over, 
introduces, and he's like, hey, honey, how are you? And he's like, where did you learn to speak Chinese? And she goes, honey, I can't speak no Chinese. I can barely speak English. Literally, verbatim what she said. He's like, and all of a sudden, Darren's cluing in, as you're cluing in. He goes, what do you mean? He said, she stood up in service, and she spoke perfect Chinese. And she goes, I, and he goes, he didn't, and Darren knew Chinese. He goes, she didn't speak Chinese, sir. Darren then goes, what did she say? In some form or fashion, he said, she stood up and said, Jesus is the only way. Stop denying him. He loves you. He is for you. He died for you. And he wants you to know him. And they all just stood there, mouth agape. See, the beauty of it, the works of God empower confidence and belief in Jesus for all who see and experience them. Darren and I literally sat in our little, our little house that day, and we just laughed, and we prayed, and we worshipped, and went outside and hit golf balls because we had a big front yard. It was a great day, right? The next work we see, chapter 4, the healing of the lame man. Remember the guy sitting by the gate, sitting by the temple every day. Everyone knew him. The disciples knew him. Peter and John knew him. Jesus knew him. Jesus had not healed him during his lifetime. I don't know why. He just didn't. Maybe for this moment here. But Peter and John are walking in like they normally do. And all of a sudden, Peter stops. I don't know why. I have, whether the Holy Spirit convicted him. Peter said, enough is enough. Time is time. I have no idea. But it's, this is what happens. And then Peter said on the screen, he says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. And again, the work of the Holy Spirit through the disciples prepared hearts to hear the message in chapter 4 says but many who heard the message believed so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000 the works of God everyone saw it everyone knew it no one could question words you could debate but works you can't they literally said this is happening what's going on they, Peter got up and preached again in the power of God's Spirit. Said, it's because of Jesus, not because of us. We've simply been empowered by the Spirit of God. Believe in him, and they did. Listen, years ago, I got to be part of one of these experiences of God moving, using the power of healing. Hear the story. I was at the University of Georgia. <clears throat> Every Wednesday night, we'd have service. I don't know, I think it was 8 o'clock. And after the service was over, we'd have ministry time, much like we do here. And so I'm praying, and I see this guy come down. He's really big. He's twice my size. I was buck 30 wet. He was a lot more than that. He could crush me, right? He comes up, and he says, hey, I need you to pray for me. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I'm a cheerleader for the University of George. I may have told you the story. If I've told you and you remember it, great. Listen, listen to it again. It's a great story. If not, just hear it for the first time and enjoy 
He said, on Monday, I get a call from, on Sunday, last Sunday, I got a call from my coach that I got, I get to actually cheer this Sunday. The first time ever, it's like a dream come true for me, being on the field, Sanford Stadium, God bless it, right on a Saturday afternoon with 92,000 of his best friends, right? And he gets to go cheer for the very first time, and he's so excited, literally so excited, right? He said, went to Monday practice, and I, Steve, I got injured. Like, I got really, really bad injured. The type of injury that will keep me from cheering this Saturday and probably for weeks to come. And i got to be honest with you, I haven't told my coach yet. I just can't bear to do it because I want to cheer so bad. And I just figured I'm here tonight. Can we just pray that God will heal me? I'm like, bro, let's do it, man. Right, so I just grab him and I start praying. God, we pray right now in Jesus' name that you take my brother who's this big cheerleader man. I pray that you would heal his leg. God, I know it's a big injury. Nothing is impossible for you. I pray, God, you would use it for your glory. I pray that all the cheerleaders, the coaches themselves, would know what would happen. It would cause them to turn to you and you would cause a movement to happen among the cheerleaders. In Jesus' name, God bless. Amen. Right, great prayer. I killed it, y'all. Killed it. I, he kind of pulls away. I grab him and I, and I just, I said, this. I had never said this before, and I said this, so give me grace when I say it. I just looked at it and said, hey, bro, I don't listen to this thing about the gift of healing and healing sometimes. Sometimes it's not instantaneous. Sometimes we pray, and then it happens days later. I feel like God is saying he's not going to heal you instantaneously. It's going to take you several days, but I believe you're going to be healed by Saturday. He's like, okay, man, and he walks off, and I go, Oh, crap, what did I just say, right? Because that took prayer to a whole different level. And I was like, God, did I just manipulate you? God, I didn't mean to. I may have just said that from my flesh, but not from the spirit. But either way, I pray you bless that, Jesus. I mean, literally, it's the prayer that I'm praying. It's just a real honest prayer. Jesus, would you please do it? Oh, my gosh, amen. I'm like, oh, I'm nervous the rest of the night. Next Wednesday, a week later, <clears throat> I'm ministry time again. It's right over here, kind of where Aaron is over here. I see, I see big boy. He, he sees me, stands up. I look like this from a distance. He comes walking down. I'm like, this is it. My life is over, right? He's going to say, nothing happened, right? He grabbed me by the shoulders with these strong vice grips and just said, it happened just like you said. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> he said, I went home Wednesday night. I was in so much pain. Look at Thursday morning, bro. It was worse than ever been before. Couldn't hardly walk and function the rest of the day. Friday woke up. It was horrible, terrible. I told all of my teammates what had happened. I told them about the prayer time. I told them what God was going to do. I told them what you promised me. I was like, I didn't promise anything, but I got you, bro. He's like, I told you told them what you said. And I said on Saturday, God's going to hear me. He says, Steve, I woke up on Saturday morning, and I was 100% healed. Steve, I said, I got out of bed, put some weight on, then I started jumping up and down, and then did like one of those things, flippy things, right? I was 100% healed. I started worshiping, praising God right there. I call, I listen, I call all my friends, so you got to meet me, you got to meet me. So we go over to the place. I tell them, God did the miracle. Jesus is real. He's unbelievable. I can't believe he loves me this much. I cannot wait to cheer today. Go dogs, right? And all of a sudden, do you know what happened? Within weeks, revival had broken out among the cheerleaders at UGA, a whole move of God's spirit, people giving their lives to Jesus right there on the spot. The works that empower, listen, the works of God empower confidence and belief in Jesus. It causes us to be amazed, perplexed, and undone in our belief in Jesus because we've seen him and we've experienced him. Listen, I want us to be a church, and I want you to be a person who does the works of God. I love that he's blessed us. 
But there is nothing worse than a hoarder who just hoards the blessing of God for themselves and just lives in them and closes the door to anybody else receiving what they've been given. Mark, last week, he gave these three phrases about disciple. He says, they're not on the screen, just listen. Disciple is a person who believes what Jesus says. Pestuo, believes. Disciple is a person who believes what Jesus says. That you've been saved, praise God, and you've been empowered. It's inherent to you whether you have used it or not. Second, a disciple, he says, is a person who then just does what Jesus says. He just does what Jesus says. He goes and does or she goes and does the works of Jesus. He, he or she represents. Unafraid to go pray. Unafraid to believe. Unafraid to, 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 to risk. Knowing along the way, you're going to, listen, I could tell you the thousands of people I've prayed for over the years for healing who weren't healed, including my own mom in her hospital room who died days later. How do I reconcile that? By walking one-on-one with Jesus and just processing the tension around that. I've seen these moments where there's a lack of success, but I still believe, and I'm still committed to pray for every single person who comes to me and asks God to heal. Listen, as someone say to me, oh, Steve, you've got to be careful about praying for healing for someone, right? You just don't want to let them down. And I'm like, do I do that with a lost person? Say, oh, I'm afraid of hurting your feelings, so I'm going to let you die and go to hell. I'm not going to share Jesus with you. No, I'm always going to share the gospel, and I'm always going to pray for healing and trust for grace for God with both at all times. I'm going to put myself out and say, God, I'm going, to just, I'm going to let you shoot me wherever you want me to go. Jesus, may it land by God's grace. And he said, third, a disciple is a, person, is a person who grows in what Jesus tells him or her to do. Listen, every single moment of sharing the gospel I've learned from, every single moment of giving a prophetic word and just hearing the heart of God for someone and sharing it and successes and failures has been a learning moment. Every single time I've prayed for healing for someone at a doctor's office, at a Publix, at a Starbucks, right, at my school back in the day, just walking down the road every single time, I'm like, oh, I'm so nervous right now because they're going to reject me possibly, whatever it may be, right, God? I learn every single moment, every single time. I do not want my fear of man and any type of fear to keep me from being shot by Jesus to do the works of Jesus so that people can be drawn to him when it happens. Because I'll be honest with you, what I've learned over the years is if I do the works of God like miraculous stuff, right, the gifts of God's spirit, but I then do it with the work of God, this is important, the work of God, the fruit of God's spirit, the fruit itself draws people to Jesus, not just these miraculous gifts. I love someone and they're drawn to me. I'm a person of peace and they're drawn to me. I come with patience and a situation does not demand patience or something other than that. And that patience draws people to Jesus. The work of God, the fruit, the work of God gifts always draws people. So I always say, if you're going to pray for healing for someone, you better love them while doing it, because both draw people to Jesus. 
The works of God empower confidence and belief in Jesus for all who see and experience them. Why do we pray for people on Sunday mornings? Because of this. We anticipate God moving. Does he always? No. Does he sometimes? Yes. Do I understand the tension? Absolutely not. But I will say, no matter what, I will obey you. No matter what happens, I will give away what I have. Everywhere I go, I'm going to be a blessing because I've been so blessed. I've been empowered, so I'm committed, Jesus, to do the works of your spirit. Let's pray. Father, I know how messages like this land on some people is super exciting. Other people, it just reminds them of past failures or past traumas of unanswered prayer. I know this morning, God, I didn't really give any how-tos or any explanations. I just spoke what I believe and then named some scripture to go along with it and told some stories that pulled on emotional heartstrings. I know how this morning went, Jesus. I'm asking for grace. I'm asking, God, that you, rather than people picking up stones to throw questions at, I pray that they would simply come into your presence and say, God, I believe. Now give me understanding because I want to be a blessing. I want to do whatever works that you have for me to do. I want to be Jesus to people. I want to do what you did, and I do believe I'm empowered by your spirit. Help me understand that more. Jesus, I pray today that people would see, oh, my gosh, there's a door over here. There's a door in my spiritual life I don't think I've ever fully opened around the empowerment of God's spirit that's true in my life, inherent to me from Acts 1-8. And I pray, God, that you would send them on a journey to process and pray into this and then to manifest and experience it. Come and have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we want to dive in. We're going to take ministry ministry time this morning. So if you're a ministry team, just be ready to come forward. I think we'll have multiple people come forward for prayer. We want to pray this morning with the expectation of God's Spirit moving to bring healing. And so if that's you this morning, you came and like, man, I'd love for God to heal something mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Then we would love to pray for you in belief and conviction this morning that God loves you and longs to move. I encourage you in your own journey to begin to ask questions, to, to say, God, if this power is present, then I want to begin to experience and use that. We'll talk more how-tos in the upcoming weeks, so don't worry. But I want to lay out this foundation today for us of being people who are inherently endued with God's power to do the works of Jesus because we've been blessed and to be a blessing. I invite you this morning to respond, coming at communion. I'd like to come to communion this morning as a celebration of who Jesus is. I invite you to worship this morning through your offering, tithes and offerings. Obviously here at Vintage, who we are and how we move forward all is based upon your giving. And we just invite you to give as the Lord leads here in these boxes. or living giving this little uh, boxes in the back between the two doors. There's a slit on top. We're officially done with worship this morning because it's already 1122, so we're going to officially release you. But if you'd like to stay in worship, like to stay and receive prayer, if you'd like to stay and process with the Lord in the context of this place, 
You're welcome to stay as long as you can. Aaron's promised to be here till 6 p.m. tonight. Thanks, bud. And so it's going to be great. His fingers will not get tired. Supernatural power on his fingers. No, it's going to be great. So you respond as the Lord leads. But here's what I'm asking. Would you come with honesty and as much expectancy as you can this morning for God's movement? All right, you guys have a great week. I love you. Don't forget to connect outside with the, bring your kids to lemonade stand. Don't forget to get your kids. Super important. I love you, men, Wednesday night.